Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. Thanks for listening to the Political Rewind podcast. Be sure to like and follow us and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Thanks so much for being with us for this edition of our show. In a moment, we're going to be talking with three Georgia mayors. And uh, all of you who are regular listeners to this show, I think, know that when we put together mayors panels, I I always start off by saying that when it comes right down to it, I think mayors are the real uh, most, in many ways, the most important public elected officials that we have because they are dealing with day-to-day issues in their communities. They're talking to their constituents on an almost daily basis. And while we spend an awful lot of time talking about the U.S. Senate and members of Congress, the governor, and other uh, officials at a higher state and federal level. The fact of the matter is, I have great admiration for the fact that mayors are truly in touch with their communities and have to deal with some of the most intractable problems uh, that uh, are faced uh, these days. So we're going to introduce the mayors in just a minute. But before we do, um, of course, Tamar Hellerman, a senior reporter for, from the AJC, is my Tuesday partner on the show. And Tamar, as always, because you are plugged into the special grand jury, the Fulton County grand jury, looking at um, possible criminal uh, offenses committed by those trying to overturn the 2020 election, uh, I wanted to get the latest update from you on where things stand. I know, for instance, that Brian Kemp is continuing to fight uh, his subpoena to testify in front of the grand jury. And there's also Lindsey Graham continuing that same uh, uh, process of trying to fight his subpoena. So give us a brief update, if you will, uh, starting with, I guess, Governor Kemp. Well, hi, Bill. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And certainly the developments with Governor Kemp have been some of the most shocking news that we've seen coming out of the special grand jury over the last week. On Wednesday afternoon, uh, right after my colleagues and I had spent six hours outside the Fulton Courthouse taking out Rudy Giuliani, we saw a very incredible motion filed by the governor's lawyer that basically kind of detailed these simmering tensions that had kind of escalated this summer between his office and the Fulton DA's office. As far as we knew, going forward, they seemed pretty cordial, if not even friendly. The DA and the governor worked together on issues like fighting human trafficking, on crime labs, on all sorts of things. So it was really shocking to see uh, you know, voluntary testimony from the governor that ended up being canceled at the last minute. Uh, the governor's staff is unhappy with the way that uh, Cody Hall, one of the governor's longtime aides and a frequent guest on Political Rewind, the way that he was treated in his closed door testimony. And they're moving to quash his subpoena, citing all sorts of privileges and sovereign immunity and that sort of thing. So there's going to be a hearing scheduled with, with Judge McBurney on Thursday, and he's going to hear whether that subpoena should be quashed uh, sometime today or tomorrow. We're expecting a response from the DA's office that will kind of lay out their side of what happened because there's some pretty not great things that uh, the governor's office kind of laid out in in their filing. And I'm very eager to hear the DA's side of all of this. 
Uh, we should say just briefly that um, there is no reason Governor Kemp is not a target of this investigation. He is being called as a witness because we know he received calls from Donald Trump in his efforts to overturn the election. Um, and, and, and so he is a witness they want to talk to. Um, and he also has never been one who supported the uh, the false stories about a uh, a fraudulent election. So um, it's fascinating that he would at this point in uh, in time fight this so hard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, on on one level, you'd think he'd kind of want to get this over with. He came out of this whole election saga looking pretty good, actually. So you'd think he would just want to get it over with, move on with his campaign. But there are a bunch of different considerations to take in mind. I mean, first of all, we're 80 days out from an election and he's running against a really well-known, well-financed opponent. This is an easy way to to hit Democrats. Bonnie Willis is a Democrat, remember. Um, there's, you know, and, and his aides say that taking him off the campaign trail in order to prepare for testimony before the special grand jury would be really time consuming and they don't want to have to do that before the race. Um, and also they are extremely upset at the way that Cody Hall was treated in this, uh, in his testimony. And they are, I think, a little bit worried about how the governor might be treated in all of this. Yeah. So yeah. a bunch of different but, considerations, but I think a big one is we have an election coming up. It's a really, this investigation has gotten increasingly politicized over the last month, uh, which I know is not something the DA or Judge McBurney wanted. They've tried so hard to insulate it from that. Uh, Burt Jones won his, uh, won his fight to disqualify the DA from investigating it. And it's a really easy way to rally Republicans ahead of the election. And it's something you saw Stacey Abrams hit the governor for. He feels, she feels like this is a way that the governor is trying to appeal to Trump voters. I don't know if that's what Governor Kemp had in mind, uh, but that's certainly something that's out there right now. All right. Well, we're going to watch that uh, in the days ahead. And um, we'll talk more about the politics of it on our show probably tomorrow. Um, uh, uh, but I want to move beyond uh, uh, talk about the special grand jury and the partisan aspects of it and uh, introduce our mayor's panel and talk about the issues that they are dealing with in their communities, how they relate to what perhaps everyone across the state is uh, working on. And then I want to hear from them about what they're hearing from their constituents as Election Day approaches. So with that in mind, let me start by introducing the mayor of Tifton, Julie Smith. Uh, mayor Smith is not only the mayor of Tifton, but she is the current president of the Georgia Municipal Association. Um, mayor Smith, as, as we talked discussed briefly uh, before the show, I've always been a great admirer of the work of the Georgia Municipal Association. It's really and you'll correct me if I get this wrong, the only organization in the state that represents virtually every more than 300 cities, I believe, across the state. And when I read from the GMA mission statement, it says that the mission is to anticipate and influence the forces shaping Georgia cities to provide leadership tools and services that assist municipal governments in becoming more innovative, effective, and responsive. And um, you, I think you started your service as president in, in just in this past June, right? That's correct. I just uh, was sworn in uh, last month in Savannah at our annual convention. And uh, it's, it's such an honor to represent um, not only the city of Tifton, but now uh, working with Georgia's 537 uh, cities and municipalities across this great state. So uh, the Georgia Municipal Association is an advocacy group 
Uh, they provide resources. Um, it's just, it's an incredible team of people who make sure that the issues dealing, that we all deal with as, as local elected officials in our municipalities, uh, making sure that those, um, those issues are on the forefront and that our legislators are creating good policy that has a positive impact on our cities and our constituents. So, uh, so being able to serve in this, this role and in this manner is just such an incredible honor. And I get to interact with, um, with good friends just like Deanna and Kelly here on this call today. And, and uh, it's just a real honor. Um, well, let's introduce uh, our other mayors. Uh, Deanna Holiday Ingram is the mayor of East Point and has been a panelist on the show, as you have, Mayor Smith, on a number of occasions. Um, mayor Ingram, another reason that I think uh, GMA is such an, a fascinating and important organization is you have mayors of both parties uh, who are part of GMA. It is essentially a nonpartisan organization uh, working on the problems that are shared across party lines. You are you there, Mayor yeah. Ingram? There you I go. I am. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, great. Good morning, Bill. Thank you so much for having me today. Yes, GMA um, is an organization that you mentioned is nonpartisan. I think that's one of the great things about being a local elected official. It doesn't, we don't get bogged down by party politics. It's really about issues that are facing our communities. Um, there are similarities in those issues and how do we come up with solutions that are really going to impact the people that we're honored to serve in a way that enhances their quality of life. So it's an honor to be under the leadership of um, Mayor Julie from Tifton, as well as to serve on the board with my dear friend Kelly in Athens. Like we really work to try to make sure that we're enhancing the quality of life of all Georgians in our city. Um, and uh, the mayor of Athens, Kelly Gertz, joins us as well today. Kelly, I, I cautioned you before the show that our new producer, Chase McGee, lives in Athens. He's one of your constituents, so be careful today, mayor. <laughs> I'll be on my P's and Q's. Uh, Bill, it's great to be with you and great to be with this fantastic panel. Um, I, I, I think you've said it. I mean, the, the work of mayoring is really being on the ground um, when you think about anybody in leadership, I think something that can be easily lost is being removed from your constituents or your customers. Uh, and by being a mayor, you're necessarily out there. Um, when we all go out to grab a cup of coffee or a meal or get a bag of groceries, uh, we hear from people about what their daily needs are. All right. Um, well, let's start talking about each of your uh, communities. And Tamara, of course, you jump in as this conversation unfolds. Um, Mayor Smith, we'll start uh, with you in Tifton. Uh, give us a sense of how you are recovering from the long pandemic. I mean, it's still going on, but uh, uh, clearly there have been economic consequences uh, that you've had to deal with? Are you getting COVID relief funds for certain projects that you need to do? Why don't you start us off with that and we'll ask all the mayors sure. uh, to respond to that question. Sure. We are, you know, we're continuing to deal with COVID. Thankfully, this latest strain doesn't seem to be as severe as um, as those strains uh, when it, you know, when it first showed up on the horizon. Um, but we do still continue to deal with that. Um, we were very fortunate to receive um, funds from the American Rescue Plan Act, and that really helped our city tremendously. Um, as you know, um, you can't shut down the local government. The water still has to flow. The police still have to protect. Firefighters still have to be out there. 
So having that ARPA funding to supplement our budget was significant because we were not going to shut off water customers. We were not going to stop providing services just because people couldn't pay for the services that they're required to pay for. So, uh, so having that ARPA funding has been extremely helpful. I'm thankful that um, our hospital, you know, we, we have hospital beds, we have room within the ICU. So like I said, it's not as severe, but, uh, but it is something that we are still cognizant of. I do serve on our Board of Health. We had a meeting here uh, in Tifton uh, about two weeks ago where we got the latest updates from Tift Regional Medical Center and, and our public health department. And, um, and the good news is, you know, it's, it's not as severe. The bad news is vaccinations, our, our vaccination rate is extremely low. So we continue to encourage people to be vaccinated. I don't understand why people don't at this point, but uh, that's a personal choice and, and we certainly encourage that. So continuing to practice those CDC guidelines, um, we don't have any kind of mask requirements or anything like that. I don't anticipate that that's uh, happening here in Tifton, but just being smart and, uh, and doing what's best for your family and uh, get those vaccinations, that's the main thing. Uh, Mayor Gertz, what about your uh, share of the federal funding that's come from uh, COVID relief from the uh, federal government? So uh, as both a city and a county, we received just north of $57 million. And what we've tried to do is really to deploy those funds in a way that's going to create long-term benefit. And in those areas where we already had some need, but we saw that need heightened or accentuated because of the pandemic. So um, we are specifically focusing on behavioral health, uh, on youth development and violence prevention, on homelessness, uh, on workforce needs, and the biggest chunk of funds on housing, which is the question that I hear the most from residents here in Athens about whether you're a renter or an owner or want to be a renter or an owner, uh, but are struggling in this market, in this economy with very limited supply. So we're putting $11 million toward housing needs. What does that mean, uh, putting it toward housing needs? So we, uh, we put out uh, requests for proposals uh, early in the summer, and we've just received those from um, some public, excuse me, private nonprofit and some, uh, some public agencies for deploying those funds to do some construction. Um, we know we need more supply and we need supply specifically for people who don't have great income. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I sh neglect to remind uh, our listeners that you are a combined city and county government, Athens, Clark, County. I'm glad you uh, said that yourself. Um, uh, Dina Holiday Ingram, Mayor Ingram, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happening with you and federal relief money? Yeah, we um, are definitely trying to use that money to deal with, as Mayor Gert said, um, long-term benefits. Those issues that were existing in our city that manifested themselves and kind of magnified themselves during the pandemic, which are our residents really needing access to resources and connecting the dots to connect them to those resources. So we received um, homeless emergency solutions grant funds from the county to help deal with home people who either are experiencing homelessness or prevent homelessness early on. And we that allowed us to then also get some CDBG grant funds for mortgage assistance, we did utility assistance, but it created a staff person um, for us to be able to start building the internal infrastructure to deal with those challenges. And when we look at our census, Numbers, yes, we increased in population, and yes, the number of people experiencing poverty in our city has gone down, but there's still a significant portion that we want to be able to help connect those dots for. So as we look at 
the second tranche of American Rescue Plan Act funds, we're looking at really building an internal infrastructure around equity, inclusion, and opportunity. The city manager is really committed to making sure that that becomes a part of our governmental structure and framework to be able to continue to do really individual case management. We have people who call our, the, um, the city who are in need of services, and we have some amazing staff who literally are connecting the dots and walking them through the processes to access resources. We're also looking at um, doing more support for our small businesses. We recently um, shared, created opportunity for small business loans for our businesses to kind of help them continue to get through this, as well as broadband. And I know that the federal government recently did not allowed the affordable connectivity program, but to deal with those issues of making sure people are connected in a world that has become very much more um, technology focused and driven to make sure that we are addressing that digital divide. And then of course, the front, first trunk was around public safety as well. Tamar, jump in. Yeah, and I guess I'll open this up to any of the mayors who might wanna answer, but the pandemic, definitely, I think, illuminated holes in our public health system, or at least where we've been spread so thin. Uh, obviously, Congress has injected an unprecedented amount of money that's starting to make its way towards your communities. And I'm wondering how, if you plan to use any of that money to kind of address those, um, you know, kind of our disparities in, in public health and, and what you're hoping to do on the local level for that, or is that perhaps something that's done more on the state level uh, with our Department of Public Health? Kelly, Mayor Gertz. Well, a, a particular area where we've been underattained as a state and, and locally is in behavioral health. Um, we have a lot of people who have been wanting to access resources for rehabilitative services uh, and, and for long-term care and uh, connected to that for permanent supportive housing. Uh, I think there was a recent piece in the AJC that noted uh, that we've got thousands of people walking around the state. We've got housing vouchers either from DDHDD, behavioral health, uh, or from the federal government who can't utilize those. And, and we see that every day on the ground here. And so we want people to be well cared for in terms of their behavioral health needs. And of course, we want people housed at the same time. And those two things have to go in tandem. So uh, again, we're, we're putting a lot of effort into those areas. We already had a SPLOS project for our local behavioral health provider, Advantage Behavioral Health, that we think we're gonna be able to bolster with some of these federal funds. So, you know, asking yourself as a city, all right, you, you've got some plans to do good things. How can you make those great things? Oh, Mayor Smith and, and yeah. Mayor Ingram, I do think implicit in uh, uh, Tamara's question also is disparities, uh, racial disparities, income disparities in terms of health coverage in your community. So uh, if you could uh, help us with that part of this as well, that'd be great. Absolutely. One of the things that, um, that we found not only with that COVID really exposed, but also uh, getting all of our census data uh, as the census was completed, um, homelessness, like Kelly mentioned, and housing is such a significant uh, challenge for our community. And so we're really looking at ways to offer a financial literacy program. How do we teach people the importance of uh, budgeting, of, of a good credit score, of saving some money, not living paycheck to paycheck? How do we break those cycles of poverty so that they begin to understand what general generational wealth is about? And it's about owning property. 
And so, um, so we're working very closely uh, to create a pilot program with the Federal Home Land Bank of Atlanta. Georgia Municipal Association is being, is, has come on board with us and is a big part of this and several other organizations to instruct our residents on how to take care of themselves financially, the importance of um, owning your own home and getting out of that cycle and how do we how do we then provide that housing for them? How do we how do we build workforce housing so that there is a stock of housing out there for people to buy? So um, so it's a really interesting um, it's a really interesting challenge. It's something that we don't have all the answers for. So we're bringing in some other resources to certainly help us with that. But um, but homelessness and housing is just such a big part of this. And um, I think you know through COVID it really it really put a spotlight on that. So those are some of the things that we'll be working on in Tipton in the, in the coming years. Mayor Ingram? Yes, and so the what we've been trying to do as it relates to public health and people who are experiencing non-life-threatening situations is really create com community alternatives and diversion and connect those um, people experiencing non-life-threatening challenges to resources, kind of like the 311 PAD system. And so had um, program in Atlanta area. And so our police department has applied for grants for behavioral health specialists. How do we get people who actually are trained in these fields, behavioral health, social workers, to become a part of our city infrastructure, our city staff to help support people, as well as looking at um, our, we received a grant or we are, Morehouse School of Medicine received a grant to focus on advancing health equity in the city of East Point. So it was the only um, grant offered in the, awarded in this state and only six in the country to advance health equity at East Point. And they're looking at housing, land use, and our food security, and how do we really deal with and improve health outcomes. And so we know that about 80% of health outcomes are really connected to social determinants of health, not really healthcare. Healthcare is 20% of it. And so through that, grant, which is $375,000 guaranteed for the first year, and up to that for two additional years, so potentially over $1.1 million total to advance health equity in East Point and really continue to look at our system. We just hosted our first health equity summit to really, you know, share that work with the community and what it would look like long term. But over the next three years, we're really going to be trying to collaborate to deal with and improve our health outcomes. Uh, tomorrow, I want. It's. I'm fascinated by what Mayor Ingram just said, uh, and really, it's. It emphasizes what what both Mayor Gertz uh, uh, and Mayor Smith said, which is this notion that it's not access to health care. That access to health care is not the biggest part of the problem. It's the other social factors, housing and lack of housing. It's food security. I'm fascinated by that because I frankly have never thought of the problem that way. But go ahead, jump back in, Tamar. Yeah, and I want to kind of jump on, on one of the things that Mary Ingram uh, just mentioned, and I'm curious how uh, you guys are implementing this in, in Tipton and Athens, Clark County to start. But um, obviously there's there's been a ton of renewed interest in Georgia on mental health care. The, there's a new mental health law that just went into effect this summer. I know there are many police departments that are starting to implement a new procedure where you have mental health professionals riding alongside first responders in order to uh, deal with any situations that may come up and in order to kind of take that responsibility away from the police officers. And I'm curious if you guys have similar programs like that underway in Tifton and Athens and how that's going so far. 
Mayor Smith, I noticed that the Tifton Gazette had a, a story on its homepage about just that, how the uh, how law enforcement officers uh, are on the front line of dealing with mental health emergencies, and this new law uh, may relieve them of some of that pressure. So many of our first responders are the, the, the you know, not only they're responding to a situation, but they are the first responder to um, a situation that may involve someone who's in a, in a mental health situation. We're looking at how to, um, we are exploring the opportunities that are available in this new grant that's been, uh, that's been announced to, uh, to provide assistance for that. We don't currently have um, anyone in our, within our police department or resources within the police department that are offering that service, but it's something that we're looking at and, uh, and something that I think is very important. Uh, again, dealing with when you have homelessness issues, many times um, you're dealing with someone who may have drug issues, who may have mental health issues, um, and it's you know it's really it's really a challenge. So, uh, so it's certainly something that we'll continue to look at within the city of Tifton. Mayor Ingram. Mayor I'm Ingram, sorry. do we have you? Yes, that's you okay. Have Go ahead. Me. Um, and I actually got distracted for a minute. I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> uh, the fact that the new uh, Georgia law uh, provides an opportunity for municipalities to apply for funds uh, that could uh, be used to get a mental health professional to take some of the burden off of police responding to emergencies that involve people with mental health issues. Correct. And yes, um, our police department has applied for grant funding for behavioral health. Our city has applied in that way and will continue to try to build that infrastructure. We know that our police officers are trained and certified in policing. And while they are called to respond to those non-life-threatening situations and challenges, it's important that we actually have people who are trained in that area to really respond and get people the help they need and not you know, divert them away from the criminal justice system and not arrest them, but actually connect them to the services. So we're looking forward to receiving those grants as well as exploring ways to use our second tranche of opera funds and the um, grant that we are a recipient of through the Morehouse School of Medicine to advance health equity in East Point, looking at all of those ways to make sure that we have a different approach and we actually help connect people to the resources that they need when they need them in a way that is restorative in a dignified way in a very respectful way right to help make sure that they know that we're here to support them and we will be with them every step of the way and we'll use our leverage our network relationships influence and resources to make sure that our residents get what they need um mayor gertz uh th this was a landmark bill passed by the georgia legislature to deal with mental health services um how are you dealing with it in athens clark county well, you're right. It was a critical step forward. It's not the only step we need, but but it was important. And it really affirmed some work that we've been doing for about five years here in Athens uh, with a series of interlocking resources, um, the first of which locally we call our co-responder teams, which, as you described, is where you have a police officer paired with a clinician. Um, so we're funding seven of those teams. Uh, an interesting sidebar is that we haven't been able to deploy all of those because of the difficulty in finding people who are licensed professional counselors who, who've got that clinician certification. So in the same way that nationally we've talked about the labor challenges with law enforcement and the labor challenges with the teacher ranks, we find that true in, in behavioral health as well. Uh, a not uncommon kind of call I get at my desk here are from people who know me from other parts of the state. 
and they say, hey, my child or my neighbor is in Athens in school and, and you know, just needs some counseling services, is struggling a little bit. And I can refer people to them all day long, but everybody who's here uh, in the private and public behavioral health world is just covered up right now. So, so that, that's a very real challenge for every community in the state, and I hope that we can make some headway there, whether that's around loan forgiveness or some other things, whether statewide or nationally. Uh, among the other things we're doing here is we've got a set of street outreach agents that interact with people who are either on the verge of or currently experiencing homelessness because we want to make sure we get them to resources as quickly as possible and the appropriate resources. And we're also launching this year a crisis response team. So that, that's for critical incidents on the street where you don't need law enforcement. Um, because what we don't want to do is put people in jail if there's a different health uh, care outcome that they need. We don't want to put people in the emergency room because emergency room care is expensive if there's something that, that would be better uh, suited to their needs. Um, and so it's right-sizing all of your tools. You know, police officers cannot be the Swiss Army knife of every community and do all mm. things for all people all the time. All right. Um, thank you uh, to all of you for uh, uh, this conversation. Uh, Tamara and I are going to continue talking to uh, the mayors on our panel today, but we got to get to our first break of the show. We'll be back with more in a minute. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. Quick note that uh, tomorrow is Political Rewind Newsletter Day. Right after the show today, uh, my team and I are going to start looking at what we want to push out in the email newsletter that you can get in your inbox every Wednesday afternoon. If you'd like to receive it, just go to gpb.org slash newsletters. One of my favorite aspects of that is I've been given the opportunity to write a little personal essay uh, for each uh, newsletter uh, that um, I'd really appreciate your taking a look at and responding to when you think I'm uh, really wrong in what I have to say. <laughs> uh, but people who think I'm right would be nice to hear from as well. We're joined by IJC senior reporter Tamar Hallerman and our mayor's panel, Dina Holiday Ingram of East Point, Kelly Gertz of Athens, and Julie Smith of uh, Tifton. Okay, this is political rewind. And we do have an election coming up in less than three months. I would love to hear from our mayors tomorrow what the people in their communities are talking about, what the issues are that they're going to be voting on, what's important and what's not. Um, Kelly Gertz, why don't you go first? Economic stresses are front of mind for everybody I talk to. And I know that statewide and uh, uh, U.S. House, and uh, Senate candidates are hearing the same thing. Um, I mentioned the housing challenges earlier. I mean, that's the single most frequent thing I hear about via email and text and on the street. Um, and so to their political advantage, we'll, uh, we'll accrue the candidates who can really address those issues the best and, and most effectively. And, you know, I, I would hope that 
everybody is thinking about these, you know, not just for political gain, but thinking about these as issues that really are going to have to get some deep support over many years ahead. We, we, we're not going to get out of this foxhole just this uh, this election cycle. Mayor Ingram, what are voters talking about in East Point? You know, the open carry um, law is really creating challenges. You know, when you have a state where people can literally just arm themselves at any time, um, we, you know, I think that is that has been a, a concern of residents. It's becoming more and more of a concern as we move forward and as situations continue to happen. I think it's also, you know, a woman's right to choose. When you feel, when there is a apparent attack on ability of a woman to be able to choose what happens to her body, and we never have seen that type of anything as it relates to men and their ability to make their choices, I think it just resonates. And the majority of, of people who vote in the city of East Point are women. And so I think it's resonating with how, you know, we are now in this state trying to legislate choice and trying to take away a woman's right to choose what happens to her body. I mean, it kind of goes back to women not being able to vote and women being property. I mean, all of this dis discriminatory things that not only happen to women, but, you know, being a black woman, that's double for me, right? Being black, a black female in America. And so I think those types of issues are resonating. And then, of course, you know, there's been discussion about the Wellstar Health Center in the city of East Point and hospitals closing around the state. Um, expansion of Medicaid. We, we need to ensure that health care and that health is a fundamental right, right? Health care is a fundamental right for all human beings, for people. I think we really it's about humanity. What are, what are those things we hold truth as humans, regardless of party, that, are, that really speak to our ability to be able to survive and thrive in, in this world? And so I think those concerns are starting to grow more um, as we see these different attacks that are stripping away at those things that are most precious, the right to choose, open carry, which deals with safety, and then, of course, the need for health care. And, of course, health care and housing. I agree with um, Mayor Gertz. Housing is a fundamental right. Health care should be a fundamental right as well. Mayor Smith? Sure. Um, you know, here in South Georgia, um, we recently had a school threat, um, a social media post that um, really shook this community up. And so I'd say the safety of our children is so very important in providing the resources that, um, that our law enforcement needs to be able to protect our children. And um, that's something that I hear a lot about. And a very good relationship, very close relationship with the folks on our school board and school superintendent, administrative staff. And they're very, very concerned about that. So making sure our children are safe, um, the other, you know, with Tifton being, we really are a, um, a distribution point for, we have uh, lots of distribution centers here, several highways that intersect here in Tifton, and transportation is huge. So being able to move people around the state, move goods around the state, um, the, the inland ports and all of those type things, and which ties into to Kelly's comment about economic development and making sure that our citizens and residents and, uh, and everyone has a, you know, has a good job and something that they can depend upon. Broadband continues to be an issue we do. Fortunately, within the city of Tifton, I think most of our constituents do have access to broadband, but you don't have to get too far out of the city limits. 
before there is no broadband access. And so to even be able to participate on a call like this, or certainly going back to those school children and how we impact their lives and how they can interact with, uh, you know, with their school portals and doing homework and teacher and parent interaction uh, is so important. So broadband is, it, it continues to be a, a topic of discussion around South Georgia. A couple quick uh, re- reactions to that. I think the incident, am I correct? You had a student who uh, was found to have brought a, a, a gun uh, in a backpack to, to, to school, and that was what set off alarm bells for uh, parents well, and the community? And actually, what, what the most recent thing that happened, which is so disturbing, you know, there, we, I don't know how we get our country back to a level of civility and respect for each other, but um, it was actually a hoax that uh, a, a post went out to several school systems in the area um, around South Georgia, and it was, it was a hoax. They, 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 um, a, a person threatened to, to take a gun to school and, and shoot people, and, and you have to take that seriously. And the amount of resources that it takes to respond to that and how upsetting that is to children. You know, I remember growing up, I never had to deal with anything like that growing up. Fortunately, my children did. Now my grandchildren do, and it's really um, it's really disturbing. Um, our police department recently went through active shooter training, and I went to the school to just kind of watch and see, and it's very upsetting. I mean, it's um, it's just, it's really disturbing, and it ties all back to the mental health and, and um, you know, and, and who can get access to weaponry and what kind of weaponry and, and that type thing. So, um, protecting the health and welfare of our residents is a is, is a priority for every one of us on this panel. And when that is threatened, uh, it's very frustrating and it's scary. And um, and so uh, so fortunately, we did not have an incident here. It, it, they, the, but all the resources mm-hmm. were called. Homeland Security was called in to help us with that. But um, but those are the this, the times we live in. It's very frustrating. Tomorrow. I want to pick up on something that Mayor Ingram mentioned. She talked about abortion and how that's an issue of the, on the minds of East Point residents. And I wanted to ask Mayors Gertz and Smith how much you think it could be a factor for voters in your community in November. I know that Democrats are really banking on having folks being really upset by the Supreme Court decision. Uh, uh, Mayor Gertz mentioned how, for the most part, he's really hearing about economic concerns, homelessness, housing, that sort of thing. Uh, Do you see that being a a major driving issue for voters in November? It's absolutely a concern. I mean, I don't mean to marginalize it relative to sort of daily economic needs. Um, You know, we we take people's human rights very seriously here as a local government. We we affirm that again and again through both um, formal action and, and then through passage of resolution. We passed a resolution. Uh, affirming access uh, to, to abortion services um, and reproductive rights. Um, and, and so I do hear that. I, I think if you think about Georgia over this electoral cycle and probably the next several, maybe extending until 2030, we're going to see lots of elections won and lost on the margins. And so to the extent that in a community like Athens, where we have 75,000 registered voters, if you get a few hundred additional registered voters out because they're activated by a question like abortion rights or they're activated by a question like overly easy access to weapons, that can swing some elections. Certainly, we've, we've seen that over the 2020 and 2021 runoff cycle. I think we're going to continue to see that, including this year. Yeah, I, you know, as far as 
Tifton, we're, we're a pretty red community, uh, very conservative, um, agriculturally based. Um, we're, we're growing a little more purple, I believe, but um, I, I think that the, um, you know, the, I don't, personally, I don't really hear a lot about that particular issue in my role. Um, I do know I have friends who feel very strongly one way or the other, but I don't know, um, I don't know how impactful that's going to be for our area, um, other than the fact that we tend to be much more conservative. So therefore, um, I would feel that the, um, you know, I guess if the community was polled at this point, we would probably lean more towards the right to life versus the right to abortion. I think one of the interesting questions about that, Mayor Smith, becomes uh, would, in your red community, whether uh, the uh, uh, end of Roe, with Supreme Court uh, 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 shooting down Roe, whether or not uh, those conservative voters would turn out to reward Republican politicians like uh, Governor Kemp, who has passed one of the strictest abortion laws in the country, or would uh, people who uh, believe in choice uh, be angry enough that they'd turn out in bigger numbers? We don't know that for, you know, we can only right. speculate, but, but right. how do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I, I think that's a very fair statement. I think that the majority would probably turn out to reward Governor Kemp for his stance. So, um, again, we, you know, we've, we've been very, um, if you look over, over just over the course of history, it's been very conservative in our political view as a community. Um, so, again, you know, not to say that 100 percent of the community, it's certainly not, but uh, but I, I feel like it would, um, you know, if, if some type of poll was done, uh, which we'll find out here in a couple of months, uh, I, I feel like those people that want to reward Governor Kemp will come out and reward. But but on the on the flip side of that coin, um, just like uh, Dana said, you know, there there will be people who will activate uh, to oppose that, and so um, so it's it's going to be an interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting to follow this through and, and see what happens. Mayor Ingram. Your voters want to punish your reward over Roe. <laughs> I'm in a very blue city. Um, but I, I will say this, that whenever we start trying to legislate choice, guys under morality and what people believe is right, um, based upon either whether it's the Bible or whatever, they that is a very slippery slope. And it's not worked well for black people in America. Let me just be clear, or people of color, right? You cannot legislate choice or legislate guys in morality and try to put your views on someone else. That is why choice is important. Now, that's why God gave us all the power to choose. Um, and yet yeah, there are un un consequences that come from our choices. But, you know, when you're trying to do the right thing, the unintended consequences are not that great. And I just I'm always going to speak out against legislating choice around guys on the morality and what people view as moralistic when people don't even choose to believe the whole Bible that they stand on. And so thank you. I, I, I've gotten caught up in the conversation. I've lost track of the clock, but uh, Chase is telling me we better get a break out of the way right now. We'll be back with more in a moment.
Mayor Gertz, at the beginning of this month, the athens Clark County Commission voted 8-1 to one to essentially decriminalize marijuana possession, small amounts, I think, was it an ounce or less, whatever, to uh, turn it into, what, a $35 uh, fine? Uh, what was mm-hmm. the reasoning behind doing that? You, your, your community joins one of a number of communities around the state that have done the same thing. Why do it in athens Clark County? That's right, Bill. There are about a dozen communities in the state that have reduced the penalty for um, under-announced misdemeanor marijuana possession uh, to simply a local ordinance violation that doesn't carry with it a jail sentence, that doesn't carry with it the um, later life penalties that would include inability to get a job or, or find employment or you know have access to academic resources like the University of Georgia up the block here. Um, and it really was for all those reasons that we made the decision to pursue this. Uh, you know, we talked earlier in the behavioral health frame of wanting to right-size the response to any situation. And when it comes to marijuana possession, we wanted to do what is in our authority to, in our view, right-size the response to that. We, we don't want to create these lifelong challenges for people simply because they had a joint in their pocket. Um, now, the reality is, Many law enforcement agencies throughout the state have really not been focusing on this already, and that's already been true in in daily function here for our police department. There there are some challenges in even discerning the difference between uh, marijuana and hemp in a laboratory. It's it's sort of a long and deep conversation, but you know this really just pursues a mission that we had already been following. Tomorrow. I'd like to pivot a little bit and spend the last couple minutes of the show, Bill, if you don't mind, talking about another issue that I think is really impacting a lot of localities, and that's a teacher shortage. Um, Mm. uh, Lots of folks have retired early because of COVID or just amid burnout. I know there's been a ton of incentives passed by the state, but also that localities are trying to do to to retain or bring back teachers. Um, And and Julie, I'd love to start with you. It's kind of talk about what you've been seeing on the ground in Tifton and what you're trying to do about it. Absolutely. And I mentioned earlier, you know, having that good relationship with the school board and, and school superintendent and administrative staff is so important so that we can stay plugged in on that. Um, we've been very fortunate. Our uh, We have a school superintendent that came in a couple of years ago who worked diligently to sort of change the culture of the school system um, to make it, um, I guess, it, you know, kind of for lack of a better word, sort of fun to be a teacher again. And, and um so I think we're seeing the results of that. I had a conversation with him last night, as a matter of fact, and in anticipating this, this conversation this morning about this um, to make sure that what I was going to present was going to be factual and accurate. But, um, you know, they, they, they're they very fortunate at the Tiff County School System that we have. Um, there are positions that are available, but at the same time, through that culture change, through working to hear what the needs of teachers are and and uh, administration really being responsive to that, they've been able to fill those 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 roles. I mentioned earlier that the safety of our children is so important. So, um, just making sure that the um, that the school system has the resources that they need, and of course, they also were recipients of ARPA funding and various funding uh, that that have impact upon the system and how they can deliver those services to uh, to the students that uh, that participate. But um, we've been very fortunate in that the, the, the school system here is, is staffed. Um, they do recognize that that's going to be an ongoing challenge, but, uh, but, but so far things are working out very well. Mayor Gertz, what about out in Athens, Clark County? 
it's definitely been a challenge here for our school system, who are great partners of ours and, and, and who were my former employer. I spent 20 years as a public school teacher and administrator, and I can say that that's not an easy job in any era. Um, it takes a lot of commitment and diligence, um, maybe unlike some other professional tracks where if you're moving into medicine or law, you, you work for several years under the tutelage of somebody else or in tandem with them. When you begin as a classroom teacher, it's on you. <laughs> you, you. You are the sole authority in that classroom with those 25 babies. And that's a lot of work anytime, but it's particularly a lot of work when we're coming out of this last couple of years of pandemic and trauma and dislocation and confusion. And so there's a lot more on our teachers today. So I, I know that our local system has tried to infuse some extra aid, some extra community engagement people to do the handholding with families and children that just need to be done anytime, but particularly in the time of crisis. And, and I do hope we get over this hump, you know, not only as a locality and a state, but really as a nation. And Mayor Ingram, of course, you, you are, are part of the Fulton County school system, which we know has had its troubles. Um, how's it affecting you and your community? And so, I yes, I, um, can you hear me? So, yes, go the, ahead. the teacher shortage is real within Fulton County as well as um, bus drivers. And so, you know, I know that there are a number of incentives that the district is offering. And, but the teachers, I believe this is indicative of, you know, maybe how they felt during the pandemic, whether or not their health and safety was prioritized when there was a lot of discussion about mass mandates or whether or not to go back in person. There were teachers who were very concerned about the safety of themselves as well as their families. And so if you can imagine for the last two and a half years, living through that, experiencing that and what that may have felt like. And so we, I believe we're seeing the effects of that as well as, you know, the, the ability or the desire and attempt and now the law that tries to, um, or that not tries to, that legislates what can be taught in classrooms. Right. And, and this notion of not being able to teach children America's complete history. And it doesn't mean that the history has to be repeated, but it does mean that if, if we don't share the true accurate history of this country, we're not equipping our kids with the knowledge that they need to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself. And so I think that's taxing and stressful on, on teachers and people may be choosing to find other fields. Um, because of those types of things and the, and all that they've endured over the last two and a half years, as well as this new law that really, you know, puts into, it, it creates this process where people can file complaints about what's happening and really put teachers in situations that may not be comfortable and not where they want to be. All right. Mayor Ingram gets the last word on today's political rewind because we're completely out of time. So thank you, Dina Holiday Ingram, Vice Point, Julie Smith, Mayor of Tifton, Kelly Gertz, um, Athens, Clark County uh, Mayor. Really appreciate your conversation. And of course, Tamar Hallerman, I always am happy when you join me for political rewind. Really quick note, you know, the window for absentee ballot requests opened yesterday. It's a very different process than it's been in the past. And without... Uh, trying to walk through it on the radio, I suggest you uh, look on our social media platforms. You'll see a link to Stephen Fowler's article in which he describes how to get an absentee ballot. But now's a good time to start thinking about getting yours if you don't plan to vote in person uh, in November. That's it. We're completely out of time for today's show. We're back with a brand new show 
tomorrow. Until then, I'm Bill Nygut. Please take care, stay healthy. See you tomorrow. And again, my thanks to three great Georgia mayors. Bye, everybody.